Welcome to the Disease Du Jour podcast on the topic of the Merck Animal Health AVMA Veterinary Wellbeing Study with Dr. Joseph Hahn and Dr. Christy Schneider. I'm your host, Kim Brown, publisher of Equimanagement. The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you in 2022 by Merck Animal Health. Dr. Joseph Hahn is the Executive Director of U.S. Companion Animal and Equine Professional Services at Merck Animal Health. In his current role, Dr. Hahn has been a champion for the enrichment of the veterinary profession, helping to sponsor and advance initiatives from the AVMA, Not One More Vet, the Veterinary Hospital Managers Association, MentorVet, which we'll talk about a little more in a minute, and others. Prior to joining Merck Animal Health, Dr. Hahn was in practice for 10 years. He spent the first four years in general practice. During that time, he was able to gain experience in everything from solo practice to large corporate practice. His last six years in practice were in emergency medicine in Chicago. Dr. Hahn received his DVM from the University of Illinois College of Veterinary Medicine in 1998. Dr. Schneider is a senior equine professional services veterinarian at Merck Animal Health. Prior to joining Merck, Dr. Schneider was in clinical equine practice for 11 years, including an equine internship, an American Board of Veterinary Practitioners residency at The Ohio State University, and six years as an associate at an equine exclusive practice in Central Ohio. Dr. Schneider is board certified in equine practice by the American Board of Veterinary Practitioners. Welcome to the podcast, Drs. Hahn and Schneider. Hi, thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's great to be here. Well, we really are glad to talk about this because these vet wellness surveys that Merck sponsors with the AVMA, I think, are critical to understanding how our veterinary population is handling the stresses of the profession. So, Dr. Hahn, I'm going to throw the first question to you. What are the most critical findings of the new Merck Animal Health AVMA Veterinary Wellbeing Study? Thank you, Kim, and thank you for having us on and, and letting us talk about this. It's an important and key topic and something we need to really keep the conversation going. You know, some of the key findings we, we've, we found in the last few years, and now we're on our third study, uh, and we're starting to learn not just the key findings of what's causing the well-being, but where we can put some of the solutions. Some of the key findings, you know, we know that stress, uh, suicide, and student debt are, are critical issues facing the profession, but this year we've had another one that's jumped near to the top as well, and that's the shortage of veterinarians and the, and the uh, shortage of, of staff as well. that become very, very important. Uh, the percentage of veterinarians that, that are, are showing serious psychological distress, um, that has increased uh, since our 2019 uh, study, uh, partially due to the pandemic. We found that in, in there as well. Um, you know, burnout remains a serious issue, both among veterinarians and staff. The good news there is that better that, that burnout is also a, a concern in the whole U.S. population and the whole U.S. working population. So that's not unique to us. Um, you know, while veterinarians do have kind of a lukewarm, sometimes attitude towards a, towards a profession, we found that more than 50 percent would not recommend the profession. We don't see that there's going to be a significant exodus in the near future. Because when we start really looking into the data, the age, the age data, we find that it's a very, very small percentage, less than uh, younger than 55, that would uh, consider really very likely to leave the profession. So that's all good news. Uh, in terms of finding some of the solutions, you know, we can get we can get deep in, into these things. But the three most important things that an individual veterinarian can do to maintain well-being and mental health is to have a good, healthy technique for dealing with stress. 
We've got some um, on vetwellbeing.com. There are some uh, techniques people can try, find something that speaks to them. Uh, maintain an appropriate and healthy balance between work and non-work. And that work-life balance is very personalized. It depends on where you fall. For me, I lean a little bit more towards the work side because I get such satisfaction doing things like this, talking about well-being, um, helping the profession in many, many different ways. So I lean a little bit more towards the work side and that's okay because that's my balance. Everyone has to find their own balance. Um, and then engaging a financial planner to manage debt and reduce stress is huge. So I'll get into, I, I get into that a little bit more as well. But the most important thing that we found there is that it's not about the amount of resources that you have. It's how you're managing those resources. Resources, And while we're smart in this profession, we do understand interest rate and, and a lot of those things. Having somebody help us focus and understanding the ins and outs of that is critical. That's what the individual can do. The three most important things that employers can do. Um, the first is, and we found this time and time again, is that they have to foster a positive work climate. And we kind of defined that. The four things that really bubbled up to the surface was having a strong sense of teamwork, a high degree of trust in the organization, encouraging open and honest communication, and then providing sufficient time to provide the high quality care that we expect to, that we want to, that's the reason that we came into this profession. You know, uh, well-being varies by, by age and type of employment. And, and good news on, on the equine side, um, equine well-being is, is some of the best in the veterinary profession. Uh, food animal as well, we find on the companion animal side is where we have some, some challenges. When we look at uh, age, uh, on, on average, older veterinarians have a higher well-being than younger veterinarians. And we do find that younger veterinarians, um, you know, we sometimes call them baby vets, are at most risk um, for well-being, uh, decrease in well-being, increase in psychological distress. And one of the programs that we help sponsor is called MentorVet. And I'm going to toss it over to um, Dr. Schneider because she's actually been an active participant in MentorVet can tell you all about it. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so I do think that MentorVet uh, is a fantastic program. Um, Dr. Addie Reinhardt is the founder and developer of the program. Um, Evidence-based, she did her master's thesis um, when she, uh, you know, as part of MentorVet was, was her master's thesis. So it's really science-based and um, she's done a pilot program. And then this past fall um, had her first kind of full cohort. And I was lucky enough to be a mentor as part of that um, cohort in the fall. Um, it's a five-month program. Um, that's the length of the program. And so the mentees are able to um, have kind of on their own recorded learning. And then they get together uh, and, and talk about their experiences and what they learned um, from those modules. Uh, so there are five modules. And then they have the opportunity to have one on one relationships with a mentor. Um, Dr. Reinhardt has done a really good job of trying to make this inclusive to lots of different types of practitioners. So there certainly are a lot of companion animal practitioners that are part of the program. But uh, she made a concerted effort to make sure that we equine practitioners were not uh, left behind and left out. And I had the opportunity to help her make some of the programming for the equine track, if you will, um, really just by giving like case examples, um, like one of the modules includes uh, discussion of incremental care cases. So if people can't afford, you know, kind of Cadillac options, what are some other options? And so it was 
really nice. And I appreciated uh, the effort that she went to, to make sure that we had some equine cases um, to go through instead of kind of, you know, well, extrapolate, you know, from these small animal cases. So, um, you know, I really commend her for that. Uh, I had a great experience as a mentor. I hope my mentee had um, a similarly helpful experience. Um, We have decided to stay in touch after the five month um, program has ended, but you don't have to do that. Um, you know, it's really up to both of you. And there's another cohort starting, um, really, I think next week. Um, and so expanded. So there's more participants. Uh, there have been multiple groups that have stepped up and kind of sponsored, um, participants, uh, Merck Animal Health is, is one of those. So along with Merck Animal Health and the ASPCA, um, pet health, insurance. Um, There are 15 spots for equine practitioners in the spring cohort of the MentorVet program, which I think is is pretty exciting and hopefully will be beneficial all around. And where do they go to find information on this, whether you want to be a mentor or a mentee? Yeah, uh, thank you for for, uh, reminding me about that. So they are looking for equine mentors. So if you are interested, um, highly recommend that you go to their website and fill out their volunteer form. Um, And their website is www.mentorvet.net. And then if you're interested in in being uh, one of the people participating in the, the spring program, I'm not for sure if there's uh, still spots available, um, but certainly reach out to to Dr. Addie Reinhardt through that um, website and you can get involved in the next cohort available. That's that's wonderful news. And that is that that's a very interesting program. And as you mentioned, it's a science based program. There, there is reasoning behind this and how it's operating. And I do want to go back, Dr. Hahn, just one minute and let you extrapolate a little bit or expand on the vetwellbeing.com. So vetwellbeing.com is is where uh, you'll see the well-being studies. This one is the, the third one that we've done is not quite up yet, but it will be up shortly. Uh, it's where you can find resources. That, that can can lead to some healthy habits for helping manage stress. You know, just going back on that a, a little bit, there's five, uh, we call them the big five personalities, five personality types. And we found that the one that really af- affects well-being and that affects psychological distress is neuroticism. Uh, and then if you look at introvert versus extrovert, people who are more introverted are a little bit more vulnerable as well. No surprise to anybody that the veterinary profession is a little bit neurotic and introverted. So we, we know that. What that does is it leaves us more vulnerable to stress, especially when you start working extra hours, if you're working in a chaotic environment, uh, that can lead you to being a little bit more uh, at risk. So we have to be very careful about that. And there's some techniques on vetwellbeing.com that can really help that. You know, we talk about a healthy work-life balance as a, as a uh, you know, kind of introverted profession. It's not our go-to to socialize with friends, to be with people. And, and especially with COVID in the last two years, it's hard to be with people sometimes. Um, so it's important to reach out and socialize. We're social animals and, and having good social relationships is a very strong predictor to having a happy life. Just a, a story about me, a good friend of mine, when COVID hit, we would see each other a few times a month, couldn't see each other. So we put on the calendar every Sunday an afternoon virtual happy hour. We don't make it every time. Sometimes we push it a little bit. But it's always there and it kept us connected and it was so helpful, helpful during this. 
Um, I want to touch on one more thing, if I if I can. Um, there are certainly resources for VetWellBeing.com on financial planning. So I recommend that. Uh, but the one thing I do want to uh, just kind of point out is, is I didn't mention for employers to provide uh, health insurance that includes mental health counseling or an employee assistance program. And while that's very important, an instant action item, something people can do today, right now, um, 38% whether you were distressed or not distressed, didn't know whether they had uh, mental health counseling or treatment coverage in their health insurance. And that number should be zero. Not that everyone's going to have it, but we should know before we're in distress if our health insurance have those. It's something we can do today, something that we can start. Same thing with an employee assistance program. 30% didn't know whether they had one or not. It's something that you can ask today. And if you're an employer, it's something you can talk about at the beginning of a staff meeting. You can put a note up on the bulletin board about your employee assistance program or resources that are available. Because the other thing that we did find was that it's critically important that this topic become okay to talk about in the practice, in the environment. And the way we start doing it is very simple ways like this. If you're an employer, you start the meeting, I check with our health insurance, here are the benefits that are covered for mental health um, and counseling and treatment. So feel free to reach out to them. We're going to talk about this, this topic because it's important. Very simple. That number, in my opinion, should go to zero. That's a great point. Today's Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the maker of prestige vaccines, Banamine, Panicure, Regimate, Protozil, and other trusted equine health solutions. Merck Animal Health works for you and for horses. Learn more about Merck Animal Health's comprehensive portfolio of products, as well as their ongoing investment in our industry, profession, and community through programs such as the Respiratory Biosurveillance Program at MerckAnimalHealthUSA.com. And what else, Dr. Hahn, um, are we seeing in this new study that was either a continuation of or maybe different from the previous two studies? So the continuations that we've seen are the attitude towards the profession. We've seen over the last couple of studies that slightly greater than 50% of veterinarians would not recommend the profession to a uh, friend or relative. Uh, we did ask this year if you regret becoming a, veter a veterinarian and those that, that have a lower well-being, almost 20% of them regretted becoming veterinarians. That's that's new for us to to find that information, which is which is quite frightening, um, you know, to to see that 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 many. We need to really work in the profession to make it so that those who are struggling can find the resources that they need. And potentially, practice isn't for everybody, and there are other 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 opportunities in veterinary medicine as well. I loved my time in practice, and I love my time doing doing this now. So there are certainly things that we can do in our careers um, that, that, you know, maybe when you were going through vet school, you thought practice, practice, practice. That's all there is. It's what I'm going to do. Our careers can be anything that we want them to be. What we really have discovered is where to put the resources, what things can help. I talked about that uh, a, a positive clinic climate is the best thing that we can do. At Merck Animal Health, we're helping sponsor with not one more vet, what they call their clear blueprint. 
And it's going to be a certification for the practice to be a well-being practice. And it's going to speak volumes loud and clear to the employees how important well-being is in that practice. So we can now look at where do we want to direct our resources, because obviously resources are limited. Where do we want to direct our resources to best help the profession? The, the study that we're doing here, we have another program with ABMA that we sponsor called the Train the Trainer to help build these conversations, to teach people how to communicate in very safe ways, to make safe environments to have these discussions. That's great. And Dr. Schneider, is there something that you would like to bring in about specifically equine? Because we know that the Merck Animal Health AVMA, it does have a lot of crossover from small animal, uh, large animal, equine. But what about equine specific? What are you seeing or hearing or finding out? Sure. So, I mean, well-being, whether it's veterinarians or staff, uh, is definitely a hot topic in equine, uh, the equine industry. And it has been now for quite some time. Um, if you are able to go to the AAEP in Nashville um, or watch any of the um, sessions on demand uh, from home, you'll see that there was a lot of discussion about uh, retention, which certainly directly relates to well-being. Um, you know, veterinarians with a high level of well-being and equine practice probably are not leaving. Um, and so certainly relevant. Um, Dr. Amy Grice has been kind of on the forefront of, um, you know, the equine well-being, at least for sure, data um, gathering and there was a recent uh, survey that she performed actually around the same time that the Merck Animal Health AVMA Veterinary Wellbeing Study was performed, so fall of 2021. And uh, she had 312 equine veterinarians that responded to um, her state of equine veterinary practice survey. And I believe that was recently published, right, in Equimanagement? Yes. Yeah, so I, I highly recommend that people um, check that out on the Equimanagement website. Um, if you haven't seen it come through your your email box, because there is some good information about uh, what's going on in our industry um, with some actual numbers to go with it. Um, and then, you know, when you listen to the retention task force presentation uh, that was given at AAEP, um, I don't think many people would be very surprised by the challenges that are facing both uh, the veterinary students trying to decide, should I go into equine practice or uh, the recent graduates that are um, hoping to stay in equine practice and the challenges that, that they're facing, as well as the practice owners, uh, what challenges they're facing. So certainly everybody um, has their own individual situations and challenges. And those were all discussed in um, a, a great, clear, concise way, I thought by uh, Dr. Rob Trimble at AAEP. Um, and so some solutions were also talked about um, at AAP. Um, Dr. Caitlin Daly talked about uh, her life as a solo practitioner uh, in equine practice and why she loves it and has, uh, you know, a really fulfilling practice life. Um, they also spoke about um, co-ops, so sharing on call. You know, emergency duty is certainly something that can be challenging for 
all of us um, that need to do that as part of our practice or want to offer that to our, our patients. Um, but you don't have to shoulder all that load by yourself. And so that's being discussed a lot more um, and kind of being normalized in our industry uh, that maybe we don't actually have to do it all <laughs> by ourselves. Um, you know, we can work together and be collegial, um, just like Dr. Han mentioned, having a kind of healthy team trusting environment. Um, if you're in a group practice, that would be just as important uh, for equine practitioners as as other uh, species focus veterinarians. But also, if you're solo, you know, making a, um, a community for yourself so that you're not, yeah, you're alone, um, in quotes, in your practice, but you're not alone in, in your life. Um, and there's there's certainly resources out there. And I think um, specifically talking about resources, as I mentioned, MentorVet um, has an equine focus um, along with companion animal and mixed practitioners. Um, it's not just for small animal and uh, equine, really whatever species uh, you're working on. I think MentorVet would be a fantastic program to get involved in as a mentee and a mentor. Um, and I guess I didn't mention that as a mentor, Dr. Reinhard has put together a great training program for mentors to go through. Um, I believe it's three hours kind of on your own watching recorded materials. And then there's two hours that um, the mentors that are being trained uh, participate in a live training. So it's a five hour training, but it really prepares you for helping mentees, right? I mean, you have your own experience to work off of, but again, this is really an evidence-based program. So Dr. Reinhardt has done a really good job of um, really equipping the mentors to feel like you have something more to offer um, and some guidance in how to guide your mentee. Um, and two other programs that are really equine specific, um, one is new and the other one is not super new, but both I think are really powerful. Um, and I think the three programs, MentorVet, Decade One, and Sustainability and Equine Practice Seminar, those three can really, I think, be complementary to each other. Um, I think there's, um, you know, a different audience maybe for each one, uh, depending on how much time you want to invest or have available to invest um, and what you're looking to get out of them. So Decade One uh, is a program that was started by Dr. Amy Grice and Dr. Andy Clark, I believe in 2015. Um if not exactly then, around then. Um, so it's been around for a few years. And um, in that retention task force presentation that Dr. Uh, Trimble gave at AEP, he mentioned that lots of the participants had um, had said that Decade One program was really, really beneficial for them and helped them to make equine practice something that was sustainable and enjoyable for them. And so I'm this is above my pay grade. I don't know what's going to happen, um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if decade one was a little bit more um, expanded um, and hopefully it'll be available to more and more people. Um, and, and hopefully this podcast will help people to, to learn about it. Um, and that website, if you want to learn about it, um, you know, getting involved. And I believe that they're currently forming groups um, and they're kind of regionally based. Yes. So the website is uh, www.decade1vet.com. Um, so highly recommend that program. And then the Sustainability and Equine Practice Seminar, that is something that uh, they had their inaugural uh, program in the fall in October of 2021 in Seattle. And I had uh, the, the honor of attending and it was fantastic. Um, really just kind of a breath of fresh air, 
uh, getting to spend the weekend. It's four days, um, getting to spend that time with people, really like-minded people that are going through the things that you are going through or have gone through, um, and really a very positive atmosphere. You know, this was, yes, talking about some of our challenges, but really focused on solutions and what we can do to make equine practice sustainable and enjoyable. Um, and so they touch certainly, certainly on financial uh, well-being, also nutritional well-being, you know, so how can we eat uh, to make ourselves healthier in general? Um, and certainly burnout and compassion fatigue and boundaries and, and all of these things. Um, and I guess I should mention with decade one, they do have a very uh, strong business management um, portion of that program, along with uh, the supportive kind of small group network uh, that you're able to to generate there. Um, the sustainability and equine practice seminar, as I mentioned, they had one in the fall. They have their second one coming up at the end of March um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I, there might still be spots available for that. Uh, so highly encourage you to check out their website. And that's www.s, as in sustainable, <laughs> epseminars.com. So sepseminars.com. Um, and I believe that they're planning to have another one in the fall. So if spring's not a good time for you, uh, you can you can hit the one in the fall. I highly recommend it. Well, and I wanted to mention that Dr. Grice works very closely with Equimanagement, as we know, and she is such a wonderful proponent for our, our entire veterinary industry. She works also with AVMA on different things, but especially for the equines. And she said at AAP, it was the first time in years that she's had young equine veterinarians in practice walk up to her and say, we were looking at getting out, but we're seeing the changes the industry is committed to making. So we're going to stick with it for a while. Even some of they had during you were talking about um, the panel that they had on the retention task force. And the panel was of former equine vets who are now doing something else. Yep. And she said, at least one of those people came up and said, I might reconsider rejoining equine practice with all the changes. So it, it really, it, it may be that we've seen the, the tide turning just a little bit on some of this. So, and on her state of the industry um, survey that she did for Equimanagement, she will be, not only do we have a pretty much a data dump online, if you need some benchmarks to go see all of the information she amazing information she got. She's going to break those out in the spring issue of Equimanagement into two articles, one focused on business and one focused on vet wellness, and give a little more editorial context to all of the data that she had pulled out. And I, I honestly, I have read these two articles that are coming out and I would suggest everyone be able to make sure and read these. We will have them in the magazine and we will post them on the website as soon as the magazine comes out. So I, I just think that um, she's doing a wonderful job and the support Merck has given, like the first survey Dr. Grace did at the start of the pandemic, Merck had stepped up and helped us support her doing that survey. And we really appreciate that. So, I mean, um, you guys are really doing a lot in the industry. And so that kind of winds us back around to this AVMA survey that Merck Animal Health works with. Why, Dr. Hahn, did you all decide this was so important? I mean, this was years ago before the pandemic to get involved in veterinary wellness. Yeah, 2015. And 
Dr. Linda Lord, who um, unfortunately is no longer with us. Um, she's the one who really got this started. She noticed that this was something that, that was a problem in the profession, was a passion of hers. She went to AVMA, Brockett Consulting. We started to work on this together. And this is her legacy. And, and we keep finding new things. We're getting targeted now on solutions, but we're still finding new things with the survey itself. And, you know, we've led on this for quite some time because we believe this is important for the sustainability of the profession. And it really is. We need a healthy profession. And we believe that to the tune of doing all of this work. And again, Merck has done a lot to, I mean, you sponsor this podcast on business. I mean, that is not the favorite topic of equine veterinarians, but we've noticed more and more have decided that, okay, I need to be financially secure. And it, it doesn't have to be a, an either or. Either I'm working and killing myself to make enough money or I leave the practice. And they're, and it's wonderful to have that information on business that's available to these vets. So a little bit about, um, you had mentioned some of the tools that you have on the website. Can you talk to us a little bit more about those that have you know basically been developed because of the, the surveys? You know, the, the tools, so the things that we're developing because of the surveys are the our mentor vet, not one more vet. Some of the stuff that's up on the on well-being is is stuff that's out there for the general population as well. Different breathing exercises you can do, different exercises you can do. Uh, mindfulness and meditation is up there as well. Just reminders to stay connected to friends. It's just some some healthy habits and, and places you can go where we're developing some of those newer, bigger resources, that's really over the last you know couple of years where we've said, these are the places where the survey is telling us we can be the most helpful. Let's develop some of those resources. And is there anything else in the general Merck Animal Health AVMA Veterinary Wellness Survey that you would like to talk about? Um, I, I think in general, what I want to just say to everybody is this is important. We can't ignore it. If we're going to have a sustainable profession, I use that, that word a lot, but if we're going to have a healthy profession, we need to take care of ourselves. How can we take care of our, our equine friends if we don't take care of ourselves? What are the horses going to do when we can't go? When we're in, in such bad physical, mental, emotional state that we can't make it to the farm, what are they going to do? And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we take care of ourselves. The profession in general has significant challenges. Some of the ones in equine are more unique than in some of the other sectors of our, of our profession. Companion animal has, has its own unique challenges as well. We need to recognize those. We need to talk about those. And we need to find solutions for those. And I think that's where we're where we're really coming to now. We've been talking about them since 2017 when the first study came out, then 2019, now 2021. Now we're starting to find solutions about for them as well. And we just need to keep doing it. And Dr. Schneider, is there anything else you would like to add on the equine side of uh, the veterinary wellness? 
So I don't know that this is equine specific, but I think just in general, um, as Dr. Hans mentioned and you, Kim, mentioned, talking about this stuff is the only way to move forward and improve these these situations and our lives. Um, and I think it sometimes can feel like as an individual, maybe just having a conversation isn't going to move the needle, you know, on the whole profession, right? And you can think I'm just one person. But I think just as you mentioned, you know, the the conversations at AAP have been different and and just letting people know your experience, asking about other people's experience, um, asking if they're okay, um, you know, offering them some of these resources if they haven't heard about them before. All of those conversations matter and really help to change the culture. It really starts with each of us as individuals. And that is a great point. Is there anything else that you all would like to mention in this part? I mean, there's so much we could talk about. This is just a a passion topic, I know, for both of you. Um, is there anything else you would like to mention? Uh, give, give me a few more hours and sure. But, <laughs> what, but what I will say is I want to thank you, Kim, for, for letting us be on this podcast, for letting us talk about this, for getting this out as widely as we possibly can. It's important information that we need people to hear. Agreed. Thank you, Kim. That is great. And we will make sure. Um, so if you're listening to the podcast, if you would like to go to equamanagement.com and there will be an article that will go along with this podcast on there that you can search for the disease to shore podcast. And we will make sure and put links to all of the, the decade one, the mentor vet, all of the things we have talked about in this podcast to make it really easy for you to go find if if you were driving down the road and couldn't didn't have time to uh, write it down. So we will make sure and have those up there and, and easily available to you. So thank you, Drs. Hahn and Schneider, for joining me for this episode of Disease Du Jour. And thank you to Merck Animal Health for sponsoring these topics that are so important. And we invite our listeners to go back and listen and hear other episodes of Disease Du Jour on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or whatever the favorite podcast platform is. And if you have any questions or suggestions, send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown, at equinenetwork.com. Disease Du Jour is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC. 